Hey friends, this episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. Clinic Gym Connect is a wonderful, amazing communication software we've developed to help you grow your practice, add a gym, add other services, and make sure that your patients and clients are clear on what you do and the amazing service you provide. You can learn more at clinicgymconnect.com, but let me tell you this. As we move forward, as you want to grow, growth must include communication, and communication must be done effectively. If you're emailing your clients, you're not doing it effectively. Heck, only one out of every 10 emails is even open, let alone read. If you want to get a hold of your clients, the best way to do that is the way that they communicate in every other instance, and that is text messaging. So check out our text messaging solutions. You can do two-way text with your office. You can use text messaging to capture new leads at events or in videos. And you can use text messaging to follow up, send appointment reminders, and even ask people for reviews. It works so much better. It's so much more effective and people love it. So check out clinicgymconnect.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the US. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm joined today by Dr. Aaron LeBauer. Aaron, how are you? Hey Josh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, I really appreciate it. Awesome, and Aaron, you are a, uh, what do they call that, a guru within the uh, world of uh, physical therapy, but specifically for what you call the cash PT world, right? Those that want to kind of break free of the chains of the hospital systems and health insurance and kind of build their own clinic up. Is that right? right? right. Yeah, that's basically it. You know, um, I, don't, I don't have a, uh, a retreat center, so I wouldn't call myself a guru yet. <laughs> <laughs> there's no sweat lodge out in your backyard or anything? No, there's All right, well... Okay. Well, we'll call idea, you. Up. I mean, the whole idea is to not be um, handcuffed or influenced by uh, a third party when I'm trying to make the best decisions for my patients. Yeah, I love it. And Aaron, you and I have talked a couple of years ago, but uh, since then you have done some amazing things, including you recently had a conference uh, virtually. Can you share us a couple of details about that? Yeah, we had a conference called Physical Therapy Business Conference or PT BizCon. It was an idea I came up with a couple of years ago. And last year, 2020, we had 160-something people come into Charlotte. And a week before, uh, COVID came first, and uh, we had to move it virtual. Um, enrolled another 25 people because it was now virtual. Um, and I would call that a success because... Um, you know, we actually made money on it, you know, versus like what a lot of uh, in-person events, sometimes you're like, if, if, we, if we break even on the event, we're good. Um, but this year we did it all virtual. And uh, well, because we're not meeting in person yet, or I couldn't plan on that when I had to make all the plans back in January. And sure. um, we had a hundred, another 186 people uh, get tickets for the virtual event. Um, almost all physical therapists, uh, some uh, other professions. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a tough two days, but, uh, it was, um, a lot of fun seeing people uh, get results. We had people getting new patients just from some of the strategies they were, I was teaching during the event. So it was pretty neat. 
That's awesome. I always love when you go to conferences and somebody's like, yeah, I did this. Uh, I actually implemented that last night in my hotel room or whatever. And it worked. I got six people yeah. or, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, it works that fast if you're, if you take action, right? Oh yeah. I did. I did this one thing where I was basically, I paused for five minutes. I said, okay, and I'll go post this on uh, Facebook or Instagram, whichever is your preferred platform. And I put a little five minute timer down and we had people with um, massive results within like, you know, an hour by the next break. And even by the end of it, the, some people were like, oh, I didn't get any results. And then the next day they're like, it, the post blew up overnight. <laughs> just, That's awesome. I, I love it. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, it sure, certainly uh, proves why the hell they came there, right? Like, <laughs> I hope so. That before was the it's point. over, I'll already get your results. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I want people to see, and we, you probably know this too, you got to get results like quickly, or can I get you a feeling of results? Because we both know the problems generally take more than a couple of days or months to really solve, but can I get you getting some wins right away? And, and, uh, I like it when I go to conferences and I get wins. Um, I also, my goal is to, you know, host events and courses and conferences to get people wins early and long-term. Yeah. So over, I mean, you've been doing this for a few years now. Um, you've had the conference this year, last year, mm-hmm. and I know you and I spoke to, spoke a couple years ago, but what trends are you seeing in the world of physical therapy? I mean, we got some physical therapists to listen to this podcast. Um, I think uh, most of the listeners are chiropractors, but we got some strength mm-hmm. coaches and personal trainers in there as well. But what trends are you seeing from the business side of physical therapy? I think the biggest, besides like people using telehealth or not using telehealth, which was kind of a, almost a last year thing, I think the biggest trend that I'm seeing is more and more... Um, physical therapists opening their own businesses who are feeling like they are able to and have the, um, the tools um, to access to be able to do that. And more and more bigger in-network clinics like being uh, I don't know, combined into larger, like some of the larger brands or networks. And so there's like a split. I think there's less medium-sized businesses. And, um, so it's kind of like practices. a dog bone. You have a bunch yeah. of one provider offices, maybe with some support staff, but one provider not many of the two to three people partnering up, and then you have the hospital-owned twenty hospital provider clinic. Owned, yeah, like twenty provider or more, multiple locations, and there are some. There are cash practices now that are scaling up to you know a handful of physical therapists, you know, three to five in the last few years. Um, but I think it's like, I think what's really hard is when someone has one location and they're in network. They're really struggling because I've worked with a couple people even in the last six weeks who their cost to provide the treatment is higher than their average collections. Yeah. And I think that's in all, uh, I hope everybody knows, like that's not just a PT or Cairo thing. That's, I have a a friend who's a MD out here and there's a Medicare, I can't remember what service it is, but let's say it's blood draw. He gets paid $18. He has to pay LabCorp or Quest $23. (laughs) So he's already out five hard dollars, right? Right. And he says the only reason he runs it though is if the test is positive, then he can bill Medicare for the treatment. But he said probably a third of them aren't are negative, and therefore he loses the entire that five bucks on all the negative ones. And I'm like, this is unsustainable for anybody. Right. You know? Right. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really yep. Crazy. And he's said the same thing that you are. Like he's been approached a bunch of times about. Uh, Hey, you should join our physician group and he wants to stay independent, but it's getting harder and harder and harder right. for people to do that. Yeah. So, and I've, and I've had uh, physicians I know who, you know, want to stay independent so they can mm-hmm. spend the time with their patients, but they just can't make it work financially because of 
you know, like the labs and they yeah. go and they join like the larger hospital group and they're great, but they get like four minutes with each person and you lose that special, uh, I don't know what it is, like relationship that you have with someone yeah, you can it's actually not personal call anymore, or right? talk to or yeah. ask a question to without getting an operator in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, when it's your health, it's like, that really stinks. Yeah. yeah. And it also, it, it's the health of the patient, but it's also the way you want to do things as a provider. I think it's like, it's like artwork, right? Like you want it to be your version of it. Like there's a lot of different art that's beautiful, but you want this to be yours, not right. anybody else's. And it's uh, tougher and tougher as, as we move forward. So uh, you, you host some conferences, you have a mastermind, you have different ways of people getting in kind of involved. And um, it really comes down to, and I would love to talk about this, if somebody wants to spend that time, if they want to operate outside those handcuffs or, or restrictions, at its core, what changes do you think most providers have to make? Because in my yeah. gut feeling is these providers are super smart people that mm-hmm. have gone to a lot of school. They're diligent. They're hardworking. Um, uh, you know, I think that what <laughs> has kind of created this moment for you is you're a total rebel at, at your core, right? <laughs> right. I think, yeah. I mean, what is it? The the thing people have to do is that you have to get over yourself, right? And understand that um, you're probably not charging enough or you're you're trying to convince people to buy your services instead of actually selling. And then people go, oh, but you, I don't want to sell. Well, if you think sales is sleazy, you're asking the wrong questions and you're, you're learning it from the wrong people. So you're saying at PT BizCon every year, there's not a, uh, the keynote is not, certifications that you should have to be able to make money in this business. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> There's nothing about certifications. Anyone that asks me if they're going to get con ed credits for attending, I don't really want them there. Interesting. Yeah. And so when you go to the se- the selling part, cause I think, you know, I have clients that struggle with that as well. Heck, I, I can't say that I've never struggled with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to sit in front of somebody and say, this is what you need. I just had somebody yesterday put together like a awesome plan. He says he's totally interested in golf. And he says, well, I don't think I can come that many times. And, uh, and I said, this is what I think is best, man. You know, like yeah. if you want to select a, a, out of those, like that's fine, but I'm just telling you what's the best. And then he said, well, do you think I need them? And I'm like, I just made a case why this is the best. Like in my mind, I'm going, yes. Hence everything that I just told you over the last 10 minutes and all the results. Like, yes, I think this is the best. Right. But it's, you know, people still struggle. And, and me as a consumer, I do the same thing, right? I'm, I'm, I don't just say yes to everything. So right. it's a, uh, it's a reasonable stance, I think. But uh, going back to that, how, what, what tips do you have for some folks that are in clinic to get, to help them approach sales differently? Yeah. Sales is number one, it's about asking questions and asking permission. So it might be, Hey, Mrs. Jones, like, you know, tell me what's going on. Okay, great. And you get some information from them. Why is this important to you to solve this problem? And maybe even before you ask that, is like, is it okay if I share with you or ask you some questions to see if I can help? Because it really doesn't, you know, because I would say this, you know, to you and me, I don't usually say this to patients, but it doesn't matter whether I take insurance or not, if I can't help you. So I've had patients, um, you know, really press that. I say, well, Miss Jones, can I ask you a few questions just to see if I can help? And then this one woman said, no, I just need to know if you take insurance. I said, well, if, if I can't help you, does it really matter whether I take insurance? She's like, well, I guess not. 
So what we really have to do is we have to ask permission. Like, is it okay if I ask you questions to see if I can help? Is it okay if I ask you questions to find out what's going on? Great. Okay, now I ask some questions. And is it, it's more like, Ms. Jones, I help people with this all the time, just like this last patient, Jennifer. Um, I know I can help you. Is it okay if I tell you how? And so now what we've done is we've just asked permission along the way to then tell them how or ask them more questions. And then once we do that enough, now I'm not telling them what they need or trying to pull them along. I'm asking them and they're bringing, they're bringing me with them. It's kind of like, you know, they're like, yes, please come with me. And uh, so now it's permission-based and they feel good about it. And I'm not trying to like coerce or convince. I love that. And uh, for those people listening, if that just totally uh, made them warm inside and tingly, like, oh yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Do you offer coursework around this or how can they learn this method or refine this method? Yeah, it's great. I would say, um, well, number one, all my mastermind members, I put them through a, a course I created called Ethical Influence, but it's it's not something that's just for sale. Um, it, But the best thing to do would be to you know listen to some of the podcast episodes I've done on sales. Um, but one of the sales masters is Jordan Belfort, his book, mm. uh, Way of the Wolf. Um, he's the Wolf of Wall Street, but he wrote a book, The Way of the Wolf. And I wouldn't even read the book, go get the audible version because he narrates it. And the tonality that he teaches and uses is way too important to read. You should listen to it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, say the name of the, the book again. It's called Way of the Wolf by Jordan Belfort. Okay. That's always, that's always good. Yeah. Uh, I've been around a couple master salespeople in my life and uh, yeah. man, they can... They make you feel really good about what you're doing. I would say oh that's one thing. It, they don't make you feel like you're being taken or sleazy. Mm-hmm. They're, they make you feel like you've been right this whole time and thank God you're here, you know, and you're just like, yeah, that's right. I was I at an event where the guy, where this guy, um, Joel, J-O-E-L, Joel Weldon was selling his course on speaking. It was like a thousand dollar course to about 1200 people. And he got a standing ovation <laughs> for his pitch. <laughs> He pitched a course and he got a standing ovation and I'm looking over at my friend and I'm like, you know, he's pitching us, right? He's like, yeah, I know. He's writing down his yeah. card number. I mean, yeah. if you're doing it right, like it, it feels like you should be getting an applause rather than you know, yeah. people like squirming away from you. It's funny. Now that you mentioned that, I remember I, I took a, I don't know if you ever heard of Sandler sales training, but it's just a systematic sales training. And uh, so they always say like, if you run into any problem, just start asking questions and they kind of have mm-hmm. these, you know, why, 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 why? The five whys. And so this guy says, I don't think that'll work with my clients. And I remember the guy up on stage is pointing to the, you know, he has the five whys written on a, one of those flip charts. He's pointing to it. And he says, why don't you think that would work? And the guy says something and he writes down the answer. And then, and he says, so why, why that? And the guy's, well, they blah, blah, blah. Like he's literally going, and the guy can see him doing it, you know? Right. And at the end of it, he goes, so what do you think is going to happen? Like, what do you, where do you think we should go for this? He's all, the guy in the crowd is like, well, I guess, yeah, now I, I guess I believe you now. And everybody <laughs> is looking at this guy like, you understand like what is happening right now, right? Like right. <laughs> it was just so ironic, but uh, you know, it, it works. So like, yeah. why not do it? Yeah. And that's definitely part of what I'm talking about in teaching it. Like it's that you have to find out why is it important to him, but it's not just, why is it important to get your knee back, you know, fixed? <laughs> Why is the activity that it's not just, uh, okay, the knee keeps me from going to CrossFit or lifting at the gym or squatting. It's why is squatting important? Okay, 
because it helps me relieve stress. Why is relieving stress important? It's because it helps me feel like a good role model for my kids. And you, you got to get to that, that real reason. And it's just, it's such a brilliant strategy. Nice. So what, what drove you nuts about the, the PT world that, that got you to this point? I mean, it takes a lot of effort to put on conferences. It takes a lot of effort to host these groups and everything. Yeah. What was it that like just drove you so nuts that you want to do this? Yeah, there are a couple things. I think number one was I, probably I was told I can't do it. <laughs> That's probably at the core of it. Yeah, is my wife told, is a special has a specialty in radiology, and yeah. she got it because her one of her like the head instructor was like, "You can't. You're not going to be able to do this. You can't." Yeah, she was like, "Okay, I will now die before I don't do this." <laughs> right, right. So there's that. So it was like uh, you know, I, but the the first problem was uh, as a, when I was a massage therapist in my my, I wouldn't say my first career, but before PT career, I was a massage therapist and people were saying, Aaron, you're the first person to touch me where I hurt and to help me. I've been to chiropractors, acupuncturists, physical therapists, orthopedic surgeons, had the surgery, massage and everything. And I'm like, and I'm like pressing on like the quad or a hamstring or something I'm like, no one touched you here? No. Is that where it hurts? Yes. Okay, great. Let me press on there for five minutes. Oh my God, it feels so much better. Okay, so... As a massage therapist, I saw that, okay, if I spent time touching people, they were getting something that they weren't getting. I get into PT school so I can learn more prognosis, diagnosis, and um, deepen my knowledge and to be Dr. LeBauer. Um, and the professor goes, patients only need 30 to 45 seconds of hands-on care. And I'm just like, no, they don't. Because <laughs> uh, I made my career on uh, people like that. <laughs> and she was like, whoa. I was like, I mean, I'm not going to let that one go. Um and I just saw that, okay, on my first clinical, I saw 43 patients one day and that I was going to, we're seeing four people an hour. I'm like, this isn't going to let me treat patients the way that I know they need to be treated. So I'm going to have to do it on my own. And people go, you can't do it. You shouldn't do it. It's not going to work. And I said, well, let me try. <laughs> and I'm going to show you it's not. So to fast forward to why all this, all the conferences, why go through the effort it's because people told me I couldn't, but I figured out how to do it. And so can I help 10 other people or 10,000 other people do the same thing when everyone else says it shouldn't be done or can't be done? And if I can do that, then we get to help more patients avoid MRIs, surgery, and all the uh, fear that comes after, you know, after that. So that, that sounds like the clinical version of it, but uh, yeah. my gut instinct... Uh is that something else was driving you nuts about this psychologically? Yeah. Well, it's the... Is it um, the control thing? I mean, is it like, you seem like a dude who loves freedom. Like, yeah. you love... It, it just appears like when yeah. I, I've listened to some of your podcasts, I follow you online, and it seems like freedom is a big driver for you. Like, didn't you just you recently take your kids camping or something? Do yep. I remember this? Yeah. Yeah. I just went camping this weekend. Yeah. And that's the other thing is like, I don't want like a boss hovering over my shoulder. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do things when I want to do it even if that's work all day long or go on vacation for two weeks off grid. Right. I want to be able to do it when I want to do it. And um, helping other people, well, I can do it as a clinician in my practice and I can do it as a business coach. It's just about like the systems that I, I set up that um, and having that as a goal. But yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I think that the, the standard thought is that you're going to get a job and you're going to work you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or maybe a little longer doing your notes. 
and you're going to ask for time off and like, that doesn't yeah. work for me. I think that's, that, that's interesting. I mean, that's definitely something in, in the world of PT that we don't really have in Cairo is, you know, every PT I've ever met knew that they could always work for some hospital system or, mm-hmm. you know, getting hired right out of PT school. And it would be like your junior, 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 junior therapist slogging away, uh, seeing, you know, four people an hour. Some of them would tell me that they were scheduled for six or eight people yeah. an hour in a group setting and figure out a way to get it done, you know? Um, but that, that idea of creating your own thing, I think is prevalent in, I think chiropractors in general are a little more independent, like, right. Uh, you know, they just, they don't well, want to go the into it knowing that like, there's not a job waiting for me at the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, and I think we, we have physical therapists have a lot to learn from chiropractors. I mean, First person I saw marketing a therapy business was a chiropractor in San Francisco. And I was like, oh, wow, look at that. Like, like he was, I don't know, he was handing, I was riding my bike, you know, as a messenger, it was a year I was a messenger, and he was handing out, you know, coupons or flyers as I rode, rode by where his clinic was. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, I think chiropractors attract a, a, a I want to say a slightly different, but a slightly different Fun. mindset from the beginning. Like, one of the hurdles I have with physical therapists is, they're like, oh, I never thought I was going to do this. I never thought, you know, I didn't get into this to start my own business and I lost my job or I'm not making any money. And chiropractors go into it knowing, okay, here, you know, like these are my options. Probably 10% of us go and can work for somewhere else in more traditional medicine. And 90%, we got to go start our own thing or work or partner with someone who's doing it independently. And I think the starting point for each is valuable. And I think uh, chiropractors do a great job at them, like a lot of the marketing sales pieces that we just don't start with. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, I think uh, we we have been served by that in the past, but I think we're kind of, it's weird, we're kind of leaning away from that and leaning towards more of what the PTs have been doing. Mm-hmm. It seems in some ways, not not the big hospital groups. Although I do, there's like a Facebook group now for hospital-based chiropractors. And I'm like, oh, wow. And there's yeah. over a thousand <laughs> people in it, which is... Which is funny. I'm sure you're like, you're ready to throw yourself on that grenade. Don't do it. No. Well, anytime massage therapists are like, oh, we need to get, uh, you know, like get massage covered by insurance. I'm like, you're crazy. You just really, you're just looking for legitimacy of the profession. But you see that in stem cells, like the stem cell physicians are all like, no, we do not want insurance to cover this. We absolutely do not because, you know, if they've been in the game long enough, they see where that goes within five years, you know? Yeah. And the devaluing and all that stuff, and it's just bad news. Keep it off label, and it's. Yeah. I think it's the worst. One of the worst things that could happen to something new. I think it's, you know, physical. Like I know this physical therapists come out, and the ones that struggle the most in figuring out how are they going to grow their business are thinking in um, terms of I'm charging seventy five, eighty dollars a patient. You know, um, one person an hour. I'm like, well, I had, like I got to see forty people a week. To make $100,000 a year, I'm like, you're thinking in wrong currency. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. When you uh, Financially planning your life when you're a broke 23-year-old in grad school is a horrible <laughs> outlook. <laughs> right. That lens needs to be refined multiple times, you know? It does. It'd be like that show Wife Swap where, you know, you switch places. It would be great if you switch places with some, you know, attorney or accountant that's that's got three kids and just look at how many checks or how many outgoing bills you have between sports and housing and and food and and you're not we're not talking flying private and driving a, a the nicest lexus you can man we're talking about just a, okay a good life 
Right. Well, not even the nice likes. Well, it's the the range. I've re, I've realized recently the Land um, Land Rover Range Rover. You can buy one like uh, retail for like one hundred eighty thousand dollars, and then you can get the three hundred thousand dollar custom version. And I was like, I didn't realize those were that expensive. Those are yeah. crazy. Like somebody looked at that and said, "Oh, this is nice, but just not nice enough." Let's right. let's start cranking up the dollars here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I yeah, but I mean, that, well, uh, Josh, I was just saying, like, I think it, what's interesting is, and I, I'm not 100 sure chiropractors have this same issue. But I went to the dentist, and they're like, "Oh, it's going to be eighteen hundred dollars for X." You go to the you know the lawyer, you ask for help, and they go, "Okay, it's sixteen hundred dollars for this." It's that, and as healthcare providers. Maybe there's an innate, um, like, ethical, like, uh, stumbling block where we're trying to help people with their um, their health, not their not a widget, and we struggle to charge what we're what we're worth because it's a service, not a, a procedure. Yeah, you know? I, I think that's that is an interesting outlook because I do notice that any time that you have to involve an outside contractor, so going back to like uh, going to the dentist and getting a retainer. If the retainer costs the dentist $1,000, he's much more firm on his price because he has this hard cost. Right. Whereas when you're selling time or service and you're like, you know, the massage therapist will go over three minutes or five minutes all the time, not realizing that that, that should be an additional $12 or $18 or whatever, because it's like, oh, that's just what I do. And right. that time is super valuable and frustrating, man, because it's, it's limiting to one-on-one. That is so, so restrictive of the model, which is why I advocate, you know, put these, get these people into exercise and do that in group. I I don't want people thinking that you should go from one-on-one clinic care to one-on-one exercise because it, 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 and you realize very quickly being a gym owner that that is a limiting business model as well. So go for four to four to four people for one coach or more. That's really where it starts opening up. Yeah, some of the best marketing I've done is um, I also am an, a yoga instructor, and I did like a back pain workshop. I had thirty people. It was an hour and a half workshop. I think I got we got two new patients before the workshop started, and four new patients from the workshop. Plus, the it was like a fifty fifty or maybe a sixty forty split. My, you know, like on my side, I mean, I made five hundred bucks that day, and, and it was group. And I can know, okay, everyone's here's the injury you're coming in with. I know how to modify you know, to keep them safe, even with 30 people. And I had, hadn't, at that time, I'd only been teaching yoga for probably two years or maybe a year and had been a PT for six. I mean, okay, it, it, uh, that's not like, it's just a little bit of experience, but it's, the skill is one we already have, you know, we just have to see it that it's possible. Yeah. So uh, what are some success stories you've had in your group, like from last year's PT BizCon or anything like that? I would love to, when people make this breakthrough because when you hit that perfect match of like a good business model coupled with somebody who is just beat down, angry, pissed off, and then finally their boss comes in to say something or do something that tips them over the edge. Yeah. It's amazing what the, what a human being with a little bit of training can complete in about three months, you know? Yeah. Hell, three weeks sometimes. Yeah. I think uh, there are a couple that come to mind. Um, one is one of my clients, Ben Baggy had um, right out of school, kind of stumbled into a cash practice. Um, and he was like, oh, wait, this is kind of working. So then he started working at it and he made six figures his first year um, living in the Bay Area um, and then decided to, you know, grow it. He, he'd never really wanted to uh, grow it there, but 
he wanted to move back to Iowa. So he grew it to uh, three clinicians, and they were doing like forty-five, fifty thousand a month. Then COVID hit, and with the strategies and things that we put into place through COVID, as it came along, they didn't lose any revenue. They got a PPP loan, which covered like their initial uh, any dips, but they really um, didn't lose anything and continued growing. By that summer, they were at sixty-five a month, and uh, this is gross revenue. And he had uh, was removed himself from treating patients, moved to LA, hired someone to see people down there, spent two months there on vacation, moved back to Iowa where he started his third location. And that was all through almost all through COVID. Another um, client, Julie. Is uh, was struggling to like relocate her practice from uh, Memphis to uh, outside of Seattle, put in the marketing strategies, and right now that today she's like, I'm so busy, I can't. <laughs> she, she's got a waiting list, but she also doesn't want to see um, you know 30, 40 people a week. She sees four people a day. Um, majority of the time, her husband's like out of town for work, and she climbed. Uh, Mount Rainier last summer, she's going to climb um, one of the huge peaks, uh, I can't remember, in Alaska this summer. Um, and her problem is she can't, you know, uh, accommodate all the requests she's got. And this is all through COVID. And she's making like, she was doing 16000 a month, seeing four people a day, five days a week, something like that, part wow. time, hanging out with her daughter the rest of the time. And you really create some lifestyles. Like, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what I'm hearing there. Like, if, that, if you want to hire three or four people, that's an option, right? Like yeah. your guy that moved to LA, or if you want to just work seeing a few people a day, but living your life. Uh, yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah. It's probably advantageous for you too, because you don't end up with a conference of just a bunch of burnout people. Like right. I have a friend who teaches for MedBridge. I don't know if you know MedBridge. I know MedBridge, yeah. For those listening, it's like in the world of PT, it's got to be one of the biggest CEU providers of anybody, right? Mm-hmm. And he says that the worst groups to teach do like live webinars and stuff are like hospital based overworked PTs. Cause now you're taking an hour or two of their, right. their, their life as well. It's like, it's miserable. And, and I'm just picturing you at your conferences, like everybody's got their, like, I just picture they got their feet up on their desk. Like, Hey, I can fly out tomorrow or not. Hey, you guys want to go go-kart racing? Like, let's do something fun. <laughs> I got people to cover me. I got a good income. I'm, you know, I'm living the dream. And uh, that's one thing that certainly doesn't get covered in, in grad school nearly enough, you know, is quality of life. Right. No, it's all about do, 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 get an A. Yeah. Get, you know, if you're not getting 100% or an A, like you're not good enough. And right. um, that's just <laughs> that'd be like, the other great so thing. Aaron is like, the. I would love to know the average GPA of your most successful clients. Cause I know it's probably, I just like don't think they're valedictorians. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, they're because those are rule followers, right? Like it's right, it's right. fantastic. I'm not a valedictorian. I was 1,250 out of 1,600 in my class. Yeah, I was you know. probably a similar place. Like my wife had uh, ropes around her neck at graduation, and I was like, "Where'd you get those things? <laughs> I didn't know they had those." She's like, well, "Was in the honor society." Huh. <laughs> you know, no what? one ever I called was, me. <laughs> I was walking down the the campus. Um, like the the quad with a one of my best friends and his good friend. His um, Sam was six foot four. Lex is like five three. And Lex goes, Aaron, did you take your resume to the resume drop? I'm like, what the fuck's a resume drop? I don't know what that is. And he's like, oh, it's where you take your resume so that all these companies can hire you. I'm like, uh, like when did that happen? He's like, oh, it was last week. I was like, can you still do it? He's like, no. I was like, well, I guess that's it. Yeah. Well, you've done okay now. <laughs> I think I'm doing all right, but it yeah. it was just like those things just like they never registered. 
Yeah. And (laughs) it's a good thing too, because like at some point too, I'm always shocked by how much of our life is just what you think the next step should be. And you never step back and say like, should I take that next step? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you go to some CEU certification and the second day of the weekend, they're talking about like what level two is all about. Yeah. People just think, Oh, I should sign up for that rather than like, am I even using level one in my practice? Like, do I, is this something I see? Like I've taken a a lot of, I can think of a soft tissue course I've taken. There's probably 1600 protocols in the thing of which I've used. I'm going to guess a hundred of those protocols for 98% of my clients, the remaining Mm -hmm. 1500 I've maybe never used. Yeah. And I don't need level five (laughs) because I'm not using all level one, you know? Right. Yeah. Same. I've, there were some courses I took. I was like, well, I couldn't possibly go to number two until I practice this, you know, yeah. and integrate it into my practice. And so I went to like one a year, even with dry needling is one of the latest things I've done. That pretty much, it's been a while, but there's probably six muscles that I needle, but you'll learn like all 150 of the major ones. Right. You know, yeah. Like, you yeah. know, infraspinatus. Uh, maybe quad and a little gastro. Right. And, and then they're like, oh, here's how to do the, you know, <laughs> Peronius tertius or something, and you're like, yeah. this. My thing is always like, there's a Peronius tertius. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I didn't know. I was like, I can feel something yeah. here. Was my- I, I was in a soft tissue seminar, and I swear to God, they brought up, they said pyramidalis, and I was like, you made that up. You made that up today. <laughs> like, I, that's not a muscle. Get out of here. And I, they're like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what's was, the what's the? I think I can't remember the trivia. It was like, uh, what's the smallest muscle in the body that doesn't. Um, What's the smallest muscle in the body that, and maybe it doesn't articulate with any other muscle? Like the tensor tympani, I think, right? Oh, okay. I, I can't remember what the, what the question was. It was yeah. one, I don't know if it is the smallest, but I think it doesn't articulate any, near any other muscles. I think it's just right yeah. in your inner ear. But anyways, uh, for anatomy uh, trivia, I'm not like, I don't know them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just picture you at the adjoining. Can you... So you can dry needle the temperature tippany and they're like, no, 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 you're mixing up two things. <laughs> right through the nose. I yeah. You get there. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Aaron, uh, this has been a, a, a great time interviewing you. I'm glad what you're doing for PTs because I think as your PTs get stronger in the cash model, so do Kairos. Um, for those people that might be interested in your next conference, talking about this stuff or may, ready to make a shift in their practice, where can they learn more about you and what you do and hear more about these ideas? Specifically, I'll say the sales piece because that's, I know that's, that's a game changer for anybody that introduces a sales process into their office, their, whether they're selling mortgages or healthcare, it, it improves everything, right? Thanks, Josh. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, the best place to find me is uh, Instagram at Aaron LeBauer. Um, you know, my sales course is one of those ones where I don't actively sell it, but you can find it at ptinfluence.com. Or if you're having trouble spelling it out, uh, you could just message me uh, like over on Instagram. Just message me, hey, like um, sales or in ethical influence, and I'll get you the details to that. Um, but I think that, uh, so I want to thank you for having me, Josh. And I think one of those interesting things that we talked about um, before I, you were recording is like, how do you tell the difference between a chiropractor and a physical therapist? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I feel like if you're doing the right job, you can't. Yeah, you know? I hope not. You know, right? I hope not. And it's one of those things I, I've learned, like a few of the chiropractors that I've 
worked with who I was like, wow, I really get you. I was like, oh, you're a chiropractor? I thought you're a physical therapist. It's like, I think that if we're looking at the human body in, um, in ways where we're not looking at the injury, but we're looking at the person and we are asking the right questions and we're treating based on what they need and see the world like as like there are plenty of patients who need our help, then uh, it's hard to tell the difference. As it should be, you know, as it should be. Great. Well, uh, Aaron, I really appreciate the time today. And uh, on behalf of my listeners, let me say thank you, because I think, again, what you're doing is really going to push all the people that want to stay cash-based and really have that freedom to practice the way you want to practice. You know, whether it's you want to spend three hours analyzing. uh, I met a woman in a CEU course. She is a specialist in adolescent female gymnasts. She's a physical therapist. And I said, that's very specific. Congratulations. And she will do a two hour long evaluation on the front end with about 40 minutes of that is just hand and wrist. I was like, wow, my God, talk about a master. But I mean, there's no way that fits into the, you know, the HICFA 1500 form, right? Like <laughs> no, it just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And everybody that goes to her loves her and she gets to practice the way she wants to practice and brings a lot of relief to a lot of people who want it, you know, and I yeah. think about how much she's improving those lives. So I mean, I know you're, uh, you're feeding the f- same fire that, that she's able to uh, stay warm with. So uh, on behalf of Aaron LeBauer, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license, and like Aaron helps his clients do, live the life you dream of. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hey, I want to let you know that this episode was brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. Clinic Gym Connect is our new exciting communication software that I think will revolutionize your practice, blow your customers away with amazing customer service, and allow you to grow by offering the solutions that your office offers. So if you want to check out more, just go to clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com and check it out there. Thanks. Thanks.